And joining me now for our Master Gardener segment is our good friend, Ms. Barb Lampson. Hello, Barb. Hey, Karen. It's good to be here. And I'm happy to report in my rain gauge, we have four-tenths of an inch of okay. rain. We had about a half an inch. So a half an inch. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'd like to say, you Thank know. Thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. We At least we got that. And you know how it is when you go out in the morning and it's rained? Um, the air is fresher. The plants look refreshed like they had a bath yeah they yeah it's it's absolutely great but despite all that you know this past week we've had more bird activity in our yard oh my goodness it and they're in the bird bath and when you get three and four robins in the bird bath at a time I think that's that's really remarkable. Well, we've never had so many. Bl- I've never seen that many blue jays. We've had like six blue jays, and they're hanging out in the back in Grandsom. And there was some sunflower seed that had fallen from before, so he brought out some more and sure. put them on the deck. And they're just everywhere. And then yes. in the flowers, so I've got some salvia, and they must like the four o'clock seeds because I've got four o'clock, and sure. they have those seeds because there was a cardinal there. There was a um, some I think they were I don't know sparrows or wrens or something and then on the little by the little flowers was a hummingbird so sure. I just had this cool yeah well, group you know, of birds we have hummingbirds and we we also have that sphinx moth oh, that's yes bigger a bigger size and you have to really look to see that it's a sphinx moth and, and not, not a hummingbird right yeah exactly we have those and we have the blue jays and. Um, Oh, you and, do too. Okay, because we never had that many. Put, well, David puts out salted peanuts for them. Oh, and <coughs> excuse me, he puts them on top of a tabletop out out, okay. in, out in the middle of the yard, and oh, they j- in no time at all, and they have competition from the squirrels. Oh, I bet. Okay, yeah, the squirrels they seem to know when when there's food out there. You know, this has been one of a a, a big problem with squirrels this year i've seen more comments of people having issues with squirrels yeah. and chipmunks this year so they i don't know if they're extra thick or what but yeah uh, or uh, i think they need water and Maybe. i think when you dig and you water areas i think the soil is softer and maybe that's where they're hiding their nuts and things that could be it. Yeah. The, the one thing I don't like is that they are, have been, anytime you dig up new soil and loosen it, that's where they want to plant their nuts. So all that new garden where I planted the 135 new hostas, they've been digging all around them, you know, putting their nuts because it's easy for them to get in there. Yeah. And it's just, ugh, frustrating. It, uh, we, David, after he got done dethatching in that, our grass was so thin in a couple of areas and there were long swaths. So he worked it up, he replanted and then he covered them with uh, leaves and grass again, and uh, and he didn't have enough, so he bought some straw, and used that too. And now it it looks like there are pock marks in there. Yes, <laughs> they, they just, <laughs> it's just it's, I know because my mine is same well. The, the yeah. lake house in the I have a bunch of new cedar uh, mulch down for the the tr- the trail, and it looks like it's just full of all little like holes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like wow, do we have uh, <laughs> huge uh, night crawlers in there right. or something? Hey, Karen, we wanted to talk about something that was new this morning, and you know, as gardeners, uh, we never hesitate to to look into new things and something that might save us some time. Yeah. And um, I have a new program, which is called 18-Day Composting. Now, that seems too good to be true. Does, so let's yeah. talk about that. Is it yeah. is it realistic? 
Yeah, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be sharing this if I hadn't have gotten this from my son in Alaska. Okay. And you know, we've talked about that before. Um the summer never gets warm even if you're in Anchorage, you know, there are a few days where you would ever wear shorts, but when you live in a valley surrounded by mountains, the sun has to be up really high before you get any sunlight at all. And so Well, for, it must be very difficult then for composting. It, it, well, but here's a new thing. So this this new 18-day composting is a hot pile versus what we make at home here now is is cold composting. Oh. And that, you know, they say six months uh, on that. It can take less time if you're turning it more and you have more nitrogen, but it's still a long time coming. Right. So... Um, also, I wanted to say that the research on this was done at the University of Berkeley in California. And uh, at the end here, I have a website, and you can also download and read the research. But so my son said, hey, Mom, <laughs> you're going to love this because they have that permafrost, and it's very hard. Either you have a raised bed or where you're planting in the soil, you'll have to try and get below that, and you have to how, improve the soil. How far down does that go? Oh, gosh, it, it goes a long ways, oh, Karen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like for you and I, I mean, you need like a, a pickaxe. Oh, wow. And you, you know, like miners had that right? type of thing. Okay. That's what you're doing. So with this 18-day um, 18, 18 composting, you're what you're doing basically is you're, you're using a smaller pile. And this pile, the size of the pile is three feet wide by three feet tall. Okay. You can do this um, probably, you know, you can't exactly do it on your patio. But if you have a smaller space, you can do this. And according to my son, you have to have allow for a bigger space, like up to five feet, because you need to be in there turning it. Sure, to so, have it room to move. Right. Yeah, move room to move. And so here's how you start out. You start out with, with two things. You have greens and browns. And the greens are nitrogen, and the browns are carbon. And so let's just for a second... Let's just just discuss it. What is carbon and what what are the uh, nitrogen plants? Which ones are they? And it's surprising. Um, browns, of course, wood chips. Right. <clears throat> uh, cardboard that's shredded. Sawdust. Newspaper shredded. Corn stalks. Pine needles. Straw. Leaves. Fruit waste. Really. And. Uh, I think they're thinking of fruit trees or something like that because... Um, I was thinking of peels and things like that? or, uh, or No, because those really are nitrogen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and like I've always used those little crab apples that fall off my tree. Sure. And that for me works as an activator to get the pile going. So peanut shells. And here again... Um, takes them a while to break down if you don't break you have to cut them up somehow and then wood ashes not wood that comes like out of pallets or something like that that's been treated um with some kind of a chemical you don't use you that mean like type stuff of you might use in a campfire or something yeah you shouldn't use that that stuff because oh, you shouldn't no no because that gives off hmm, those different chemicals that are in there. So, Be because if these things are made so that they won't rot, once the heat hits them, 
that's exposed and goes up into the atmosphere. I mean, like like logs you throw in a campfire, that kind of ash. Yeah, yeah, that's what you want. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's gotcha. what you want. Okay. And and um, so then for greens, uh, which are high in nutrition and nitrogen, um, you'd have all that garden waste, providing that it's healthy, and that there aren't noxious seed um, heads on it. You wouldn't want that. And um, then they say green wood. So green wood would probably be like um, willows, maybe, you know, in there. So you don't have a heavy um, uh, covering on it. Um, vegetable scraps, clover, coffee grounds, all food wastes that were grown that are, those are organic. So um, you probably wouldn't be putting down meat products or so something. produce kind right. of. Right, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, seaweed. And that's a great one. Um, my son uses seaweed. Yeah, we just don't have a lot here. No, we have to buy it. Right. Um, horse manure. Oh. Cow manure. Alfalfa. Uh, chicken manure. Pigeon manure. Fish. And then the last one is urine. Uh, I wouldn't recommend anybody urinating on their pile. Uh, I've heard people do that <laughs> along the edge of their property to try and um, chase away like deer and things like that but yeah. i just don't think that's yeah. a real cool thing yeah <laughs> i don't know yeah something that you're going to be handling and that you're going to yeah. be yeah who knows maybe you're going to grow food or something like that so these are the kinds of things that you need then and you need a ratio of two to one so it's two parts of carbon and one part of nitrogen okay and what you do is you start with your three foot bed and you put down a three to four inch layer of carbon and then uh, um, it, it would be two inches then of your nitrogen, whatever that's going to be. That's your base. Okay. And this is different from other uh, composting. You do the whole pile in one day. Yeah. So the idea is you're going to have to have, like tonight when I get, today when I get home, I'm going to go out and get some of my, the leaves from my neighbor. Oh, so you're going to do this. Oh, absolutely! I oh. yeah, I hope to have it done by Monday. Nice. And so, um, so, and I'll just bag those and save those. So, just dry leaves or wet leaves or? Well, they're wet now. Well, because they just fell. Okay. Yeah, right. So, whatever they're going to go into the bags and then they'll go down. And uh, so, uh, the the next thing you need is your nitrogen. But I'm going to have to save. Uh, my scraps and all my things that I normally put in my compost pile in five-gallon buckets. See, because you, you you can't do it daily like you normally do because you've got to build this thing all at one time. So you're, ha- so you're going to have to have save to build your, your Yeah. Pile. So are you putting a fence or something around it? How no, are you keeping no. You, you don't. don't have to secure oh. it because it's very compact. It's only three feet. Okay. And so then once you get those two layers down... Um, then you put down a light layer of carbon, you know, and then a light layer of nitrogen. Okay. When so, you say a light layer, what does that mean? Just barely covering? It, it, like an inch. Just, oh, okay. Just a covering of. Okay. And so what, you continue with this up until you're about three feet. And then here's what happens. Uh, you take a hose and you wet the whole thing down. So it's three feet tall now. Yeah, it's three feet tall. You got the hose up on top and you're you're wetting it all the way down and you should see water running out the out of the bottom okay and th- when you put your arm in there it should feel 
like a wrung out sponge. It should be damp, but it shouldn't be soggy. Okay. Because that was too much. And, and as you're adding water, you know, check it from time to time. Then you leave that pile sit until the fifth day. Then on the fifth day, um, you're, you're going to turn it. Well, I'm and guessing <laughs> as it's, it goes on, it's going to be getting shrinking, so it, it's going to be shorter. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Th- this is amazing oh. because it's, it's heating up and it's not losing as much nitrogen and carbon into the atmosphere. And that's what happens with the cold. That shrinks down to about a third of what you started yeah. with. This does not. You might lose about 10%, but that's, but that's it. So now the thing that's interesting, you know, we use a fork. We go in and we turn. Yeah. I go front to back, back to front, side to side. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just pff, any old way. You yeah, know, however it's right. going. And, and it, this is more of a science. So you split the pile in two just uh, um, as you look at it and say, there's the middle. Now I'm going to take the right side and I'm going to move the right side over over to the edge, get it out of the pile. So to the edge? Uh, uh, to, to where you're, to the end, because you've got your three-foot section here. Right. So go to the ne- beyond the three feet there. I'm going to store it there okay. because now I'm going to take the left side and I'm going to move the left side to where the right side was. Okay. And the idea is that the materials that are on the edge of your pie, on the sides, they need to get turned in. So they become the middle because the middle is the hottest part of that pile. Right. And then these uh, that were on the right side, they're going over to the left side. So they're so, like exchanging places. Yes, they are exchanging places. So then you wait. So this is on the 5th. Then you wait two days. On the 7th, you do the same thing again. You're not adding anything. If you think it's too dry, you could add some water. but Just it, spray it on top or whatever? Yes, okay. exactly. So every two days then, until the 18th day, you're doing this. So every two days. So it's, it's kind of, of labor heavy. It's You're going to have to have a chart or something to make right. sure or get your calendar out. But my son said, you know, this idea of you don't add anything more. All you're doing is turning this thing. He said... Uh, it, it, 10, 20 minutes, he's got his turn and he's, you know, done. Comes home from work and does that and, that, and that's it. Yeah. Because if you're adding all the time, then it's not breaking down. So this way you're just having that same group breaking right. down. So that's why it probably works in 18 days. Yeah, exactly. So anyway... Uh, well, what does he have at the end of 18 days? What does it he look He has like? this beautiful compost. Oh. And uh, uh, he, he said it's it's the regular compost, the cold compost... When we get all done, right. and, and the majority of it looks nice and black, we always have bigger clogs and pieces in there. Yes. But with this, it's uniform. It's okay. broken. It's it's because you're everything is getting into that center to get heated up. So so you have a nice product. You could use it even uh, for your house plants. And it heats up enough to kill weed seeds and other things like that. Uh, it's if it, if Conditions were perfect if it was at least 155 to 160 degrees. But he does not put in weed seeds, but he puts in weeds, and he doesn't put in any plants that have diseases. That's just too much of a risk, so don't do that. So he just puts the weeds in before they have developed. Right, and things like um, he raises lots of sunflowers for... He's trying to teach his jays there 
these jaybirds to eat uh, these sunflower seeds, but since nobody raises them, they apparently have never seen them, and uh, they aren't interested. They want to stick with the salted. So he's peanuts. trying to train the birds to eat. Yes, <laughs> oh, that's it, hilarious. It, and he grows them in pots on his yeah. deck. And of course, you know, the higher up you get your pots and things, the more sunlight you'll get, right. or, or more light. And and last year he spent, as soon as the uh, sunflowers started blooming, he started picking them and holding them in his hand because they'll eat out of his hand. They don't want anything to do with that. So, but when you get done, you have these big, thick stalks. Those he has to put through his grinder sure. and shred them. You wouldn't put something really coarse like that or in there. Or sticks or anything like that. <clears throat> no, no, you're shredding is what you're doing. Yeah, right. Well, then, so did he have several piles out, like different places around? Because if yes. you're just doing have to do it all at once, I assume you've got, yeah. you collect a bunch and you make yeah. a pile and then you make another pile and yeah. you kind of rotate almost. Yes, as, as you have to consider that you have to keep, you know, uh, and you're going to be on, on, if you don't, if you've got different days that you started them, you're going to be on different days. You're going to have to go, pile one, okay, it's your turn your to be chart. turned. Pile two, it's <laughs> your turn, you know, and it can get confusing. So uh, just think about that in advance. That's really interesting. I can't wait to hear how that works because, you know, it might be something worth trying if it if I it agree. works. Because I, I feel like I wait so long with my compost piles because I don't really turn them regularly. So a yeah. lot of times they just sit there and it's like five years later, oh, I've got some compost finally, you know. Yeah. Um, so, Karen, here is the address if you want to give it oh, to sure. our people. So if you want to know about the compost in 18 days using the Berkeley Hot Composting Method, you go to deepgreenpermaculture.com. So deepgreenpermaculture.com. Dot com. That sounds like a really great thing to try. Thanks, Barb, for bringing that up. I, I really curious, you know, really curious to see that work. And now he's done this, or he's trying it now. No, he's done it all summer and long, and it's been, been successful. Yes, and this has been successful. Wonderful. And you know, he he uh, he has quite a network of friends that are gardeners, and in different states, Canada, uh, along with Canada, um, Washington State, and they all have difficult conditions to grow things under and so they uh, talk about their successes and failures which you know for gardeners isn't that just one of the greatest ways to learn things well it is and that's why it's been so great being a part of a, a master gardener group or right. uh, just any gardeners because you sure. talk about that stuff yeah and in the hosta society the little society the dahlia society all of these people are have done this year after year and they will give you some really really good advice and what's so surprising is it's so cheap to belong to these groups and you can just get as involved as you want or not but they have speakers. They bring in national speakers. You have a chance. Uh, you can. There's questions and answers, um, and they have local people, their own people. They talk about uh, new introductions and things like that. And people are hybridizing all the time. So, um, what's new and what's going on? You get that from people that are doing it. Which you know, I'm involved with the Minnesota Hosta Society and helping me with too promoting stuff. Well. They have now a, a meeting where they want to invite the public. It's the Minnesota Hostess Society have a public meeting October 9th. So that is coming up yes. well next week. So October 9th, it's 2 p.m. at Boxman's, and that's in the Twin Cities in the Heritage Room. 
And uh, it's uh, also they're looking, you know, to sign up for members and that sort of thing. But they'll have a national renowned hostile leader and hybridizer as one of their guest speakers. You can socialize with other hostile enthusiasts and they'll have a lot of door prizes, which is always fun, too. You can meet the new board of directors. And next year, the Minnesota Hosta Society right. is hosting the national right. Hosta Convention, the American Hosta Society National Convention in June of 2022. So what a great time to join that organization because you can be all right. a part of that. So Minnesota Hosta Society, go check it out. And I mean, I've just really, people will ask me and when they see my hostas, they go, where did you get such variety? Yeah. I belong to the Hosta Society sure. and sure. they have sales and special. And you know, the, the thing is, you don't have to be raising uh, 135 oh, at a time like uh, Karen you can you can just love a few and you'll get some great information I just wanted to say about Bachman's uh, uh, Bachman's requires that everyone coming there wear a mask yes that is so true. Uh, be sure if you're coming wear a mask that's the only stipulation the meeting is absolutely free it's it's just really fun these people are so easy to talk to and hey here's what I've done when I've had a hosta and I had lost the name of it and I can't find it in a book <laughs> I bring a leaf with and I say does anybody know what this is could you help me with this what you know I really would like to know what this hosta is oh right and that's the great thing and some people don't care what they're they're called but I kind of do because I like to label them it's just one yes, of those things yes. and my son you know Grant got elected to the North Star Lily Society. I read that in our newsletter. Yeah, and he they're having a meeting coming up now as well, and so I know you belong to you belong to the Lily Society yeah, as I well. I think it's October twenty fourth, isn't it? And that's also their um, their plants or their bulb sale. Yes, they have a bulb sale. So yeah, it is coming up. Um, and I just have the, the newsletter. You get a great newsletter that comes out all the time with color people. pictures. With great Peggy does some color ones. So they're doing yeah, October twenty third, they're having um, a, a bulb sale, and that's also at the Bachman's in yes. Twin Cities. That's where they, I guess, have a great room. I've been up there, too. But October 23rd, they're having a 10 o'clock general public fall bulb sale, and it includes everything from the Asiatic to the Trumpet Lilies to the Oriental. The Mardigans. The Mardigans. Yep. And then the um, on the 23rd at 11 o'clock is their board meeting. So, sure. um, and, and here's what's great about all of these societies when we have these sales, um, the first hour of the sale is for their members. Yes, so you get special. Yes, exactly. And so that's true of the Lily Society, and too. And the Hosta Society. And the Hosta Society. And the thing I like about the Hosta Society is when they have their sale, you can go home and plant it. Now, when you buy a bulb on the 24th, well, I guess you could still plant it, but it's going to take a whole you know, season before we get to see what it looks like. Right, exactly. So those are just, like you mentioned, some great things to be involved with, Barb. Absolutely, and absolutely. Now this weekend, Barb, I'm going to be planting some trees. Um, fall is a great time to plant trees. Yes. And I'm going to, I've got a little ginkgo, a little dwarf ginkgo, because it's called the troll. It's three Very cute. feet tall. And then I've got two little, they're called penguin pines. And they get just about two feet wide, maybe four feet tall. So they look like little penguins standing up. And those I got, uh, I showed you where I got them. And you thought sure. they might be something you might want to try. Yes, yes, I, I think so. Anything that's really small like that, I think that's a, a great deal. You know, by the way, when I was coming in this morning, I saw one of the uh, tree trimming companies. And they were doing uh, cutting off trees along their electrical wire. Oh. and. You know, that is so sad when they leave. When when someone gets done trimming your tree, 
it should look better. Not worse. Not, Not like a worse. flat top. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I realize it isn't their fault in a way because that whole one side that's facing their wires, you know, it the whole thing gets lopsided. It's so important to get the right size tree. And did you notice also, I noticed they're going around marking the ash trees, and pretty soon yes. those ash trees will be disappearing from our streets because of the ash borer is in our area now, and it's going to wipe out a lot of trees. And we're waiting till the tree, the leaves drop, and we are actually cutting down our ash tree in our backyard because it's not like a big one that's providing a lot of shade or anything special. Otherwise, you might want to treat it, and you can. Sure. It's expensive. But for, for us, you know, it's, it's I don't know, it, it's good size, but it's not worth it to sure. risk that. So we're just going to cut our losses and sure. cut it down. You know, uh, what's really sad is when the city didn't have good advice on what to plant yes. after we lost the elms. And I remember Bill Henry was the um, park superintendent. This was in the 70s. And uh, he was the one who thought it was a good idea to plant all those oh. uh trees at the on monks avenue so all the same kind all the same kind and not only was it him it was also people i i've always belonged to the state hort society and been active with them they also thought that it's nice if you plant enough trees and your city can have like pine city because you have so many pines right. or maple grove that whole thing was in fashion at one time. Right. And now they've they've realized through, well, Dutch elm disease came along, wiped out some, so you would have thought they would have learned it, and then they did that again. So right. now, though, if you'll notice, you'll see they'll plant like three trees of one kind. Maybe it's a ginkgo, and the next, maybe it'll be an oak. And, and it's so great to see the diversity that they're bringing, and you should really do that in your own yard, too. Yeah, and, and if you're going to plant trees, you really have to, for the first year, you really should water them and watch them very, very carefully. Don't just put it in the ground and that's it. You know, the city replaced uh, a Norway maple. First, I had an elm that was on the boulevard that died. Then they planted a Norway maple. It girdled itself. Then they, and of oh. course, they don't do this themselves. They have a contractor. Right. They planted a ginkgo. I had checked that. That's what I wanted. And and I knew that that was planted wrong. So oh, no. I called them, and they came, and he said, you're right. It's planted way, way too low. Too that, deep. Yeah, too, absolutely. Because then they'll girdle, and then they just kill themselves. It, 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 what a, you know, you have to, uh, just because you're a public uh, institution doesn't mean that you can just hire contractors and not watch over what they're doing. You they need, need your arborist. And I know our city has an arborist, and they sure. need that arborist to overlook and make sure it's being done right. And the same thing, if you're planting a tree too, just because somebody says they're a tree company, slaps a sign on the side of their truck and says they can do this does not mean they know what they're doing. Right. Make sure you've got right. somebody who's a certified arborist. arborist. You can look online and see if they're certified or not. And that's what I would do. So many of the uh, foundation plantings that go in nowadays, um, people don't have the right information and they don't know how to prune and um, things can become overgrown very quickly. And I noticed a lot of contractors, because it looks good, they'll put all these plants in and they're, they're nice and tiny. And so then when they put them in, they look great. But they're going to outgrow that space sure. in just a year sure. or so. So know what you're doing. Maybe contact your local extension and ask because they can right. give you that good information. Absolutely. That is so true, Karen. Well, Barb, happy gardening this weekend. Hey, I'll thank talk. you. Thank you for telling us that, too. And again, I'm going to give that um, that 
that website out if you want to do the 18-day hot composting method that Barb was talking about. It's deepgreenpermaculture.com. Check it out. All right. Thanks, Barb. Yep. All right. It is uh, one minute past 10, and you are listening to a Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio 89.7 FM in Mankato and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin, online at kmsu.org broadcasting from the campus of minnesota state university mankato big ideas and real world thinking all right look outside it's 71 degrees here on the campus at minnesota state it looks like there's going to be some some thunderstorm action later today uh they're saying another tenth of an inch or so and then uh, tomorrow 69 for the high and cloudy and maybe some more sprinkles here and there and then sunday 73 next week we'll be in the low 70s for most of the week Time now for our, you know what it is, the Mav Magazine guys coming in.